We live in a world that is consumed, sinfully consumed with becoming somebody, sinfully consumed with getting somewhere. We, we want to be noticed. We want to be known. And we want to reap the riches of what being known and noticed brings us. So many people are spending their lives striving for attention. I would say some people even spending their lives striving for fame. But the more you understand the character and nature of God, the more obvious it becomes that God's ways are not our ways, that His priorities are not our priorities, that He works on a different economic scale than what we work on. As a matter of fact, God intentionally and sovereignly and purposefully plans hiddenness into our lives as a part of our spiritual development. He uses hidden seasons the times when we feel totally anonymous and unnoticed. He uses the moments that we despise the most to do the deepest, most transformational work on the inside of us. Over the last few days, I have sensed the Lord strongly leading me to talk to you about this. So I want to spend a few moments talking to you about embracing hiddenness. Those anonymous seasons in your life where you feel overlooked and unknown. Sometime back, I was studying Isaiah 49. I'm getting ready to preach for Mother's Day next weekend. And for those gentlemen, children, that's your plug. If you forgot, that's your reminder, all right? Sneak that in there. Mother's Day's next weekend. I'm getting ready for the message, reading Isaiah 49. Um, and I just want to encourage you to be here. We're going we're gonna to learn a lot about a mother's love. But there's something God does about a, with a mother's love that helps us learn about His love. And that's what we're going to do most next week is learn about His love. He uses the picture of a mother's intimate love for an infant child and says that's probably the most intimate picture on earth of love. But he says, I love you more. Here's what verse 15 says of Isaiah 49. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Obvious answer to that is no. But even if that were possible, I would not forget you, God said. He says, I love you more than anything you could ever imagine. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the love of God in that way next week. But as I started reading the passage, getting ready for Mother's Day, I just read the whole context, and I came across a scripture that has been formative in my own spiritual journey, and the Holy Spirit pricked my heart. I mean, one of those things where you just know, I'm supposed to push the Mother's Day stuff aside for a moment and camp out right here. So I opened my journal and got my notes out, and I just started writing from the first few verses of Isaiah 49 as I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart. And this is what it says, Isaiah 49, verse 1. Isaiah is speaking of himself here, and he says, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. I don't know if you picked up on it or not because we read through it quickly, but that passage has striking contradictions in it. Isaiah describes his speaking ability. He has a gift to communicate. He says, my words are like a sharp sword. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, I'm pretty good at what I do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a decent communicator. Like my mouth is like a sharp sword. And then he describes himself as a polished arrow. In other words, he says, I'm ready. In his mind, he's a finely tuned, battle-ready tool in the hands of God. But then in a questioning way, he says, but he's hidden me. I have all this potential, but he stuck me in the shadows. He did all this to form me and make me and polish me into what I am, and I'm really ready. And then he unexplainably 
conceals me. He puts me back in the quiver and I just don't get it. The imagery here is God as the divine archer and Isaiah as a select arrow in the hand of God, but the divine archer places the select arrow back in the quiver, sidelined, in the shadows, concealed, unknown, anonymous. Have you ever felt like Isaiah? Like you're hidden underneath all the uns, like the unseen, underappreciated, underestimated, unknown. Has it ever felt like someone or something pressed the pause button on your potential or pressed the pause button on your dreams? I think we all know what the word hidden means, but I want you to see these phrases that are, or, or words that are synonyms of hidden, out of sight, not readily apparent, concealed, obscure, unexplained. So if you're being hidden right now for one reason or another, it's the state of being unseen or unrecognized. One of the times you feel hidden in your life is when you move to a new place or you're in a new environment and nobody really knows who you are. Nobody knows your name. Nobody knows anything you've accomplished in the past. None of that credibility comes with you. Nobody knows what you're capable of in the present. And surely nobody knows the dreams that you have about your future that ignite your soul. So in a new place, you feel unknown. Hidden is when you cross into a new season of life. And for whatever reason, that new season has shifted you from being on the court, having playing time, to sitting on the bench. Now, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but you've removed, you've been, you've been, you've been a key player, and now whatever's happened in your life has moved you over to the bench, from standing as a leader to now sitting as a learner. You feel hidden when you've found your lane, you're pursuing your dream, you're in the sweet spot of life, And then all of a sudden, something or someone pushes pause on your potential. It might be an injury, an unexpected illness, the negative consequences of somebody else's choices in your life. Some crisis moves your plans to the back burner. You feel hidden when you resign a position you've held for a long time. Or you feel hidden when you retire. And that transition moves you from being sought out to left out. You've gone from being consulted to not even being considered. From being celebrated to now standing in the shadows watching the celebration of others. These are hidden seasons. And it's in these seasons we feel more invisible. We, feel, we, we identify more being visible than we do with being appreciated. We, we feel concealed like somebody. Maybe even God is holding us back from our potential because we're in the shadows, we're in the quiver. It's like our dreams went into hibernation. All those gifts and things that others used to notice about us now feel like they're laying dormant, like they've gone to sleep. We kind of feel like a flower that's trying to grow, trying to bloom, but we never get there because we keep getting covered up and smothered out and overlooked. And when the weight of hiddenness starts to sit sit in on us, I mean, all of us have been there, where we look around, we feel all the uns in our life, unnoticed, unseen, unappreciated, underutilized, and we sit there and we've all said to ourselves, I I have more to offer than this. I I, I have more to give. I have more to be. I, I have more to do. Hidden hopes, hidden dreams, hidden gifts. All of us, I think most of us as a kid, like to play hide and seek when we were little. And I think one of the reasons we liked hide-and-seek as kids is because our hiddenness was our choice. We knew it was temporary, and we could make our hiddenness end whenever we wanted to. But the adult kind of hiddenness is no fun 
because it's usually not our choice. It often lasts longer than we want, and we have very little control over when it's going to end. It's like this constant feeling of being unseen, unrecognized, and underestimated. But for those of you listening to me today who feel like Isaiah, for those of you that have been placed back in the quiver, hidden in the shadows, and forced into a season of hiddenness, remember this. There is one before whom nothing is ever concealed. There is one who always sees the stunning potential of every covered up and smothered person who feels like they're in a hidden place right now. And you have to know this. The Father's delight in you is not diminished when you find yourself in a hidden place. But his father, the Father's delight, His delight in you, is not elevated or amplified when you find yourself in a very visible place. The Father delights in you no matter what. This is a God who values the visible and the invisible equally just the same. And if you know anything at all about God or the Scripture, you know that God has led some of the greatest that has ever lived into deserts and wildernesses and long seasons of hiddenness. He did it on purpose in order to shape them and to form them and to develop them for His ultimate purposes. And some of those people emerged from their desert experiences or wilderness experiences. They emerged from obscurity into prominence. But a lot of those people remained relatively unknown. But if we went through the scriptures where that happened or went through history and brought all those people up to this platform, every one of them will tell you God never wastes anyone's time. Some people enter a season of hiddenness deliberately. You step away from your career to go back and pursue an education. You go from the Playdenville to the sideline and you feel hidden. Or maybe you choose to take a job relocation. Maybe it's for a promotion or whatever, and you move somewhere else. You're in a new place. But a lot of times, uh, hiddenness comes into our lives unwillingly. There's an unexpected illness. There's a loss of a loved one or the negative impact of somebody else's choices on our life. So regardless of how we got here, hiddenness can make us feel like the greatest part of us is submerged in the unseen. And the people that get to meet us or we get to know during our hidden season, it's almost as like they're only seeing a little tip of who we are. They're they're not really getting to know all of us because so much of us is submerged in the hidden season. I don't want you to think about it that way, like a tip, almost like an iceberg. Scientists tell us that one-tenth of an iceberg is visible, which means 90% of an iceberg is submerged in the unseen. And scientists also tell us because of that ratio 10% tip, 90% submerged under the water, that ratio makes an iceberg virtually indestructible. So this physical picture of an iceberg is an incredible image of how God works in our lives. It gives us an incredible equation into God's process of building an indestructible life. Here's the equation. 10% visible plus 90% unseen equals an indestructible life. The most influential life in all of history was forged through the iceberg equation. Jesus understands what it means to be hidden. His first 30 years were mostly undocumented and uncelebrated. And so if the most influential person who ever lived understands hiddenness, then it ought to teach us this. Don't make the mistake. Don't mistake the unseen for the unimportant or the unapplauded for the unproductive. 
90% of Jesus' earthly life was spent in obscurity. Only 10% of his life was spent in the public eye. But all of his life was and still is indestructible. From birth until age 30, we only get five glimpses into the life of Jesus. And I want you to see this. I've studied his life forever. And for whatever reason, this recently just made sense to me. I, I never realized how little we know about Jesus before he turns 30. There's only five references to little moments in Jesus' life before his 30th birthday. Let me just give them to you quickly. His birth, which is followed by hidden days, and that's Luke 2, verse 4 through 7. And then number two, you see his circumcision followed by hidden weeks, and that's in Luke 2, 21. He was eight days old at his circumcision. And then three, his consecration followed by hidden months. That's Luke 2, 22 through 38. He was 40 days old when they brought him to the temple. Simeon and Anna, they break into songs that are a part of the Christmas story. Jesus was 40 days old at that moment. The fourth little glimpse we get into his life is the visit from the wise men that was then followed by hidden years. We lumped the wise men into the Christmas story, but they really didn't show up till Jesus was about two years old, all right? So you have a moment at his birth, a moment at eight days old, a moment when he's 40 days old, then nothing for two years. The wise men show up in Matthew 2, verse 1 through 12, at two years of age, and then there is a decade where the Bible says nothing about his life, and then he shows up 12 at the temple, astounds the religious leaders with his wisdom in Luke 2, 41 through 51, and then after that, nothing for two decades. Just silence until he turns 30 and he shows up to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. All of his life, for the most part, 90% in obscurity, most of what we have in Scripture in these five little glimpses happened before his second birthday. Relatively undocumented, uncelebrated, and definitely underestimated. And then Luke 3.23 says Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. So at 30, he's baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, launches into the public portion of his life and ministry. And three short years later, three and a half short years later, he is crucified, buried, and resurrected. Which brings us back to the iceberg equation. 10% of his life is visible in Scripture. 90% of his earthly life is submerged in the unseen, but all of his life is indestructible. 10% visible, 90% unseen equals an indestructible life. All right, here's what we do. Here's what Christians do. We go all around all the time saying, I want to be like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. And then when we pray, we pray, make me like Jesus, make me like Jesus. But you, you don't really want to be like Jesus. Or you don't. Do you really want 90% of your life hidden in obscurity? Do you really want to be like Jesus, like completely unknown for 90% of your life? When we say we want to be like Jesus, we're not talking about his hidden years. We're talking about those three and a half years of public power where he's casting out demons and healing the sick and putting religious jerks in their place, where he's conquering the grave. That's the part of Jesus we want to be like. Our desire to be like Jesus includes some big exceptions that we never put into words. So here's what most of us mean when we say we want to be like Jesus. This is a really honest prayer. Jesus, I want to be like you. And I want to live like you. Mostly. But I'm not a huge fan of being underestimated, uncelebrated, or unrecognized. So I really don't want to be like the first 90% of your life. Just the last 10% of your life. 
But this is what you need to remember. Every time you say, make me like Jesus, I want to be like Jesus, you have to understand the Father was intentional in the life of His Son. Those hidden years and desert experiences and all the rejection were all a part of the Father's sovereign plan. Here's what we really want. When we say we want to be like Jesus, what we're really asking for, the heart of it, is we want His character and we want His authority. Because we know if the character and the authority of Jesus can permeate our life, then that character and authority can change our world. We know that. So that's what we're asking for. But you can't miss this. His character and authority are not isolated items you get by reading a book or attending a conference. His character and His authority were forged in the 90% of His life that was lived in relative anonymity. The unseen struggle in the invisible and hidden place is the only thing that can adequately prepare our lives for impact in the visible and seen places. If you don't leverage the 90% of your life in the shadows, you will never be ready when the archer comes to get you out of his quiver. Why in the world would God the Father wrap the glory of heaven in a plain human sack like human flesh and trust him to a peasant woman, make his bed and animals feed trough and then have the whole angelic choir of heaven announce his birth only to hide him for three decades. Why would he do that? Because authority and character is not developed on a platform. Authority and character is not developed under the applause of man. Authority and character is not developed up front, in the visible places, in the seen places, out in the open. They are forged in the fire, in the shadows, patiently trusting your Father while He leaves you in the shadows because He's still working, He's doing, He has a plan. You're in the quiver for a reason. Don't despise the hidden season. Because they are sacred seasons. You see, we don't understand the economy of God. To us, God sees wasteful. He's just like, we're like Isaiah. You heard me talk lately? <laughs> My mouth's like a sharp two-edged sword. I, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm a polished arrow. I'm ready. I know I'm more ready than her. I've been watching her. I know her. I know her, Lord. If you checked her social media profile, I know her. I know him. Why, why are you picking them? We think God is wasteful. We have a different timetable and a different set of values. Here, here, here's an example. We hide what we're embarrassed by. We only hide the things that we're ashamed of. The things that we think aren't good enough to be worthy of somebody else's attention. That's what we hide. Which is the very reason why when we feel hidden, we think it's because God is embarrassed by us or God is ashamed of us. So we despise the hidden seasons. We think we took a wrong turn somewhere or we messed up or we're not as spiritual or as skilled or as smart as everybody else. And we feel that way because we don't understand the economy of God. We don't understand His value system. He works differently than we do. He knows what He's doing in our lives. Even if we find ourselves right now smothered under the uns in a season of hiddenness. And the proof is in the life of Jesus. Heaven's most prized possession was perfectly and lovingly led into the wilderness for 90%. He was hidden for 90% of his life. Our nature 
is to grant far more weight to the visible than the invisible. And because of that, we underestimate the power and the potential of the three undocumented decades that preceded Jesus' three celebrated years of ministry. But with His life and with our own, you cannot mistake unseen for unimportant. This is the principle in the way God works in every area. He does this all the time in everything. He hides things for a purpose to produce and work and move in order to shape them. He does this in everything, literally. This is the way He shapes leaders. This is the way He matures disciples. This is the way He forms life, literally. Think about the womb. Think about human conception. Life begins in the dark warmth of a womb and is concealed from the unaided eye. And there's a lot going on in that nine months of hiddenness. They are unseen, but they are not unimportant. So, so important that they are literally formative. Those hidden nine months are formative so that what happens in those nine months can literally impact people's lives forever after they are born. And if this hidden phase of development is not treasured or it is prematurely interrupted the results can be tragic with life itself in your life your leadership your development your discipleship God forms and shapes in the hidden places now we wouldn't have hidden somebody as valuable as Jesus we wouldn't have given him to a peasant woman we wouldn't have put him in an animal's food trough We wouldn't have hidden him all that time. We would have these amazing announcements. All this stuff we would have done. But God, in an unanticipated way, hid Jesus for 30 years. You know why? To protect him. He gave him undisturbed room to learn what it is to be, to learn what it is to become. In the economy of God, anonymous seasons are sacred spaces. And when you consider how the father choreographed the life of his son, it becomes clear. This becomes clear. God doesn't hide us to punish us. God hides us to protect us. God doesn't hide us to belittle us. God hides us to bless us. Hidden years and hidden seasons are so sacred and so formative that they have to be rested in and not rushed through. And most definitely, they should never be regretted. I think sometimes we spend so much time striving and worrying about what's next that we miss what's near. Those of you that are in hidden seasons and you're ready for it to be over, you're thinking about what's out there in your life. you got all these out there moments in your life and you don't think God's at work now because this isn't what you planned, this isn't what you wanted, you don't like this moment and you're not resting in it, you're trying to rush through it. You're treating this as just a filler moment in your life that you have to get through instead of cherishing the sacred thing that God is trying to do. So stop believing that God's going to start working in your life out there somewhere in the future because he's actively working in the right here moment of your life. Stop saying, when I get the education or when I get married or when I find the dream job or when I start a family, when I receive the healing, when I finally get out of debt, God's really going to start doing something in my life. If you believe that God's best for you is out there somewhere and not right here, right now, you're going to treat this gift of time we call the present as some filler that you've just got to get through and you're going to end up wasting your life missing out on the deepest, most transformational, sacred moments that God has written into your story. Embrace the hidden place. The transition, the unexpected illness, The financial crisis, the grief, 
Call it whatever you want to. Your desert experience, your wilderness experience, whatever you call it, God is in it. He's with you. He's forming you and shaping you. So yes, to all of you who feel like Isaiah... He has hidden you in the shadow of His hand. And yes, to all of you who feel like Isaiah, He did place you back in the quiver. But if you will maximize this moment, treat it for what it is, sacred, one day the divine archer is going to reach back to deploy you for your life, an incredible life of impact. And when He does, you'll be ready. But if you despise this moment, you don't let the potter's hands press against you on the potter's will and shape you and form you, you won't be ready. you got to quit despising the moment and embrace the hiddenness and trust the archer. He knows what he's doing. Last week, I, I quoted a phrase from a hymn. It's a lesser-known hymn written by John Newton. John Newton's a famous hymn writer. Uh, I talked about uh, uh, the majesty. He wrote about the kingship of Jesus and, and uh, large petitions with thee bring. You, you come before a king. Um, That's a lesser-known hymn. Probably the most well-known hymn uh, that Newton wrote is Amazing Grace. The most famous, probably the most famous gospel song written in the history of the world. But what you may not know is that John Newton was the captain of a slave ship before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And though he wrote the beautiful lyrics of that old gospel song, he didn't write the melody. Historians tell us that the lyrics to Amazing Grace, the melody, Newton learned that melody from West African slaves that were on the ships that he used to captain. They say that the melody was originally a West African sorrow song that would have been hummed by heartbroken captives in the belly of Newton's ship. So after his conversion, this this man that had been very evil and involved in some very evil things was radically transformed. I mean, radically transformed. And he wanted to write his story. He wanted to talk about this amazing grace that had taken a man like a wretch. He calls himself a wretch that saved a wretch like him. And he wanted to, he wanted to put his testimony of grace and redemption and the goodness of God to, to sinful people. He wanted to put it to lyric, and he did. And every time he tried to find a melody that would, would just would capture the song, nothing he could come up with seemed fitting for the song. So, I think it was Holy Spirit inspired. He, he was brought back to the song of slaves. And he began to set the lyrics to the song of sorrow. If you, if you go to the Library of Congress today, uh, there's a score sheet for Amazing Grace. And, and if you look up on that, that sheet, it, it says, Lyrics, John Newton, Melody, Unknown. Because unnamed, unknown slaves crafted the melody. They had no idea with their hearts aching in injustice and grief as they crafted a melody simply to express the emotions they could not hold inside. They had to get out. They had to to hum the struggle that they were living through. The injustice they were living through. But they had no idea in the belly of a ship they were creating in that moment a melody that would literally cover the earth and become the world's most famous gospel song. John Newton penned the lyrics in 1777. And for 250 years, the lyrics of a former slave trader and his story of redemption, combined with the melody of slaves, have captured the heart of the world. 
Isn't it just like God to take the nameless and the unknown and use them to create the most famous and known song about Him ever? Don't despise your hidden season. You have no idea what God is up to, what he's, how He's going to use this moment. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I, yeah, I want to see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I want to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I get finished and they say on my tour, my first tour, they say, who, who else, what else do you want to see? Anybody want to meet? I want to meet the unknowns. Excuse me? Yeah, I, I, it says on that most famous song, lyric John Newton, melody unknown. I want to meet those guys that hummed in brokenness the melody that set the grace of God to a song. Don't overlook your, 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 your hidden place. To, this last week, I had lunch with Kendrick. Um, and while I was eating, we were, we were share, I was investing in his life. We were talking, praying for each other. And I said, Kendrick, I really don't think there's a better way to end the service this weekend than to sing Amazing Grace. And I, I want you to sing it. But I, I don't, I want, I want it to be sung by somebody who understands struggle. And I want, to, I want you to do your best. I don't want us just to hear it. I want to feel it. And I want you to capture the struggle of the, the people who created the melody. But at the same time, point us to the redemption and the lyrics. I want you to stand with me, if you will, all over this place. And I want this story to become your story. But I want it to remind you what God does in hidden places with unknown, unnamed people Kendrick sing it like you feel it this morning and bring us with you on the journey
Is that your story? Is that your story? We're going to celebrate redemption in the lobby when we leave in just a moment. Now let me just say this. If, you, um, if you're in this room and you've never stepped across the line of faith or you've never gone public with your faith, today's a really good day. You, you know, Jesus... Jesus broke out of the obscurity in his life into his public ministry through the water baptism moment. That was the, that was the change, the line of demarcation. And I can't guarantee you, if you get baptized in water today, that that's going to be the end of your hiddenness. But I can promise you, something can shift on the inside of you and it be the end of you despising your hiddenness. You say, but pastor, I don't have any clothes. I need to do this. I don't have any clothes. Oh, we, we're ready. We, we keep clothes. We got towels and clothes. Uh, we, we, there's all times somebody spontaneously moving their heart, give their heart to the Lord and they're ready to be baptized. There's been dozens today. You can join them. Go, if, when you leave, there, that, there's a get involved area off to the left. There's a sign that says get involved. There's a pastor going to be standing there waiting today that can take you to clothes and towels and talk to you, make sure you understand exactly what it is you're doing. Make sure you're ready. Pray with you and you get involved in what's about to happen out there. Now let me say this. If today resonated with you, you're in a season of life where you're like, I got to I got to chew on that. I got to go deeper. Let me, let me, let me encourage you. A friend of mine, Elisa Sholey, wrote a book. I, I trust her substance as a person, as a believer. She's an incredible communicator and even better writer. She wrote a book called Anonymous, and I think they have a picture of it. Um, talks about the hidden years of Jesus, and I really encourage you to go get it. She's an incredible writer. It will, it will enrich your life. If this resonated with you, you need to jump off into this as a Bible study. All right, let me pray for you and pray for incredible celebration in the lobby today. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives as we learn to embrace hiddenness. I pray that you will bless them and keep them, that you'll make your face shine down upon them, that you'll be gracious to them, that you'll turn your countenance their direction, and you'll grant them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.